Hello, this is the Kick Aspirational Podcast. Uh, I'm Dave Vanderveen. I'm here today with Millen Pant, the new CEO of Amway. And uh, Millen, welcome to Kick Aspirational. It's great to be here with you, David. Can't wait for the conversation. <laughs> well, you know, the Kick Aspirational Podcast is all about helping people break through barriers in their own life. And uh, the thing that we like to talk about are, one, I, I think we'd like to have people come to know who you are, who is Millen Pant. And uh, where did he come from and where is he going in life? Where is he today? Where is he headed? Um, but really to help inspire people to break through barriers in their own life. You know, when, when with excess over the years, we've had tens of thousands of people ask, how did you do it? How did you create it? the excess brand? And what I take to mean when somebody says that is, um, how could I do something like that in my own life? Right. I think it's less about the specifics of how we did it and more about how they can replicate that and do something in their, in their world. So um, with you, Milland, if you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about uh, where, you, where you came from and uh, how you got to the United States, to West Michigan? I mean, I should say, today we're at the Excess Center for Optimal Fun in Laguna we're, Beach. We're at Laguna Beach, right? But you've recently moved to West right. Michigan, though. Yeah. But this is, um, I'm, I feel incredibly lucky, David, uh, to be a part of the Amway family and to have this opportunity, this was not part of the plan. Um, <laughs> I would even say when being in the United States was not part of the plan. Right. Um, in the last, I've been born and brought up in India, uh, foothill of the Himalayas. You were born uh, in the foothill of the Himalayas. That's right. In UP, in upper, <laughs> pa- upper Padresh, is that right? right? Am I that saying is, it right? That you, you got it right. Okay. You, are, you are extremely multicultural. Um, and when we were growing up a million miles away from Grand Rapids and, and Michigan, uh, we were a loving family. Uh, our parents uh, encouraged us to you know, be the best we can be, do the right thing, a strong set of values. Uh, we never missed things in life. Uh, but on hindsight, we didn't have a television at home till we were teenagers. We didn't have an air conditioning for a for a much much later in life, but those were not the important things. Mm. Um, By the way, I didn't have air conditioning until later in life either. Here we go. In Michigan, we didn't need it as much. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> uh, so we 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 grew up and and um, we've always had a sense of uh, keeping our arms, you know, always wide open for whatever life brings um, and and work hard um, and do the best one can do to grow oneself and those uh, around. I remember when I was growing up, my father would uh, say, English is not my first language, uh, but he would say, listen, you know, you should listen to the BBC radio and probably get your English right. I never could get the British accent. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't either. Yeah, we're in the same boat there. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, he would say, you know, read the newspaper, etc. And I, I never did it as a teenager. Who does it as a teenager? Uh, but today, you know, I read five to seven. We were talking about this, David, earlier today, you know. We read the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Financial Times. The Bangkok Post, the Economic Times, and the China Daily every day. Wow! But Friday evening, if I haven't picked up my weekly issue of the Economist, no, I don't feel you know. And Amrita thinks that's the most boring thing to do. But I'm with you. That's that's the way that's the way it is. But 
last 10 11 years we've uh, we've lived the life of a global nomad uh, we were in Durban, South Africa with wow. Unilever wow. Uh, in 2007, 2008. And, and did you start, who did you start working with in India? I started in India with, in India with Unilever. With Unilever. Unilever took me outside India. And did you start in sales? Uh, I, so it's fascinating. In Unilever, we do both sales and marketing. Right. And my, my career kept alternating. I would do a couple of years of sales. I started with sales and then moved to marketing. Actually, David, now that you ask me, it it gets me back to my to my my first job was neither in sales nor marketing okay when i got off my my after my mba and i joined unilever india which is unilever india is like you know like so, so you went to university yeah, it's, and it's then like you got PNG, your mba yeah, yeah it's yeah. a png in us right yeah. it's like you know you know most marketers so i went there i thought maybe i'll get one of those great brands to work on like dove or you know maybe magnum or lipton ice or axe or something yeah the first business that I went to was in Unilever, India, which is an Anglo-Dutch multinational, was um, in a leather shoe export division. Now, don't ask me why Unilever India was doing... Leather shoe exports. Leather shoe, and we were making shoes uh, for hush puppies, oh, yeah. which, by the way, is Wolverine is based in... Yeah, Michigan. <laughs> Michigan, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So this Wolverine is worldwide. Ka- ka- yeah. Wolverine karma. Now, I was a young, cocky young man, and... I went to that business. I think, oh, great. Now I'll get to, because we're in exports, I'll get to go to London or New York City. And I never traveled outside India. Wow. By, by then, my general manager told me, no, 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 young man. You come to the business. You've got to start with where is the foundational business, mm. which is processing and buying leather. Whoa. So before I could even <laughs> dabble in sales or brand marketing, I spent the first couple of years in my life, in my career, after doing my MBA, in tanneries Oof. in India Oof. 25 years back. Oof. That that's a that's a smell foul, that's hitting my nostrils as you say it. My yeah. So <laughs> that's where my career started. So who would have thought that I would be sitting today with you in Laguna Beach overlooking this wonderful piece of the world and have this opportunity to work with entrepreneurs across the world. That's amazing. If people haven't been to a tannery, you know, we had a tannery in West Michigan in Grand Haven where I grew up. And uh, one of the things we would do as uh, effectively Boy Scouts is we would visit the tannery because we had a lot of leather making things we did. And um, you never forget the smell of a tannery. That's true. <laughs> yeah. The that. tanning process is not the most uh, aromatic one. No, yeah. it is not. Yeah. It is not. Or and yeah. uh, so I've, I've, wow. I've done it all. And, and you know, when, when one looks back in one's career and, and, you know, David, you, you know, you were talking about this thing about, uh, you know, kick-ass aspirational and breaking the barriers. I, I realized we were in India and, and we were looking for leather and for some reason there was a shortage. And this was before internet. So we said, where do I go look for leather? I said, okay, which is the other big population country? China. Wow. So put a proposal to my general manager, off I went to China. At that time, Hong Kong was still separate. Uh, yeah. uh, separate. So I remember landing up there. We, we crossed over to Shenzhen in a, in a wooden bridge. Didn't know a word of Cantonese or Mandarin. Wow. And then went around different provinces in China. This is 1993, 1994. Whoa. Uh, so it was just try- opening up. It was just opening yeah. up. And I was, I was fascinated with the energy in China. Mm. They, people, of course, in bicycles, largely, but there was construction activity everywhere. Everyone seemed to be in a hurry. It was booming. To do something. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it was booming. Yeah. And uh, I became a lifelong fan 
of China. So much later, I got the opportunity in Yam to go work in China. And we have we had this flourishing business, you know, five six billion dollars. And Yum Brands is it's it's largely restaurants, correct? It's largely Fast restaurants. Food. It's in China. It is KFC and Pizza Hut primarily. Yeah. Or as they would say, Kanduji and Bishankar. <laughs> and then we got a couple of hot pot brands, Shafei Yang, which is little sheep, okay. uh, Mongolian Mongolian lamb, and then of course Taco Bell has now got introduced. And KFC is huge in China. Well, it's, is it the number one? It's the number one uh, number one brand, and you know, it's it's an absolutely great team it's a powerhouse in terms of capabilities the 400,000 employees they are in a, over a thousand cities in China wow. uh, with KFC and almost you know 400 cities in pizza and I'm sure it's been and growing fast so it was a great experience I had a chance to go and travel to over 20 provinces wow. in China tier four tier five tier six cities wow. so uh, and I loved every moment of it and give people a little perspective. A tier one city like Chongqing is how many people? But that's it's so interesting that you pick up Chongqing it's because, the biggest, not, right? because yeah, no yeah. one has, not many people have heard of Chongqing. Chongqing is actually one of the largest cities in the world. It's close to 35 million people. It's, it's become so big. It, it used to be part of a province. Now it's its own province, right? It's Effectively, used to be, it's like a city state. Exactly. Yeah. It used to be part of uh, the province. And and here we are. It's a you know it's it's a it's a large, it's it's bigger than Tokyo and growing fast. And so from a fishing village. Yeah, yeah. So you've got tier one cities in China, which are often twenty million plus, effectively. All of them are are the, are the population of Australia or more. That's amazing. And how many of those are there roughly? Do you remember? I don't remember the numbers, but I would say like a dozen maybe. Be, yeah, a dozen Beijing. Shanghai, Guangzhou. Guangzhou, Chongqing, probably even Chengdu. Yeah. And then some of them like Shenzhen, which are growing for like Shenzhen. Shenzhen, yes. Yeah, it was I mean, made to be a technology city. Correct. And 1970s, it was nothing. a fishing village. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's impressive. And, and we've got such a great business in Amway. Right. In China today, uh, and our capabilities there, it's Fascinating to watch how we are modernizing the business and sure. partnering with Tencent and, and the WeChat platform and with JD.com in all the cases to help our ABO succeed. I have a question about chickens in China. Do uh, you know in, in China a lot of people eat chicken feet? If you go out and do karaoke, have some beers, there's usually chicken feet served. Now, the chickens in China look smaller than the US chickens, but the chicken feet are huge. Why is that? It's uh, that, it's a great snack, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it is a great uh, snack. I've eaten them many it's times. A, it's a it's a great snack, and most of them are 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 imported from 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 United States. Oh, are they really? Because right. we don't use them in the U.S., so Correct. they're imported. Okay, I was wondering That's if right. they were imported because the feet look way too big for the chickens that are running around there. Um, thank you for that. That was my guess, but I wanted to hear you say it. We did not we did not prepare this question, by the way. <laughs> um, so you so you're. You rose quickly through Unilever and Yum Brands. You must have been doing something innovative there. Can you tell us like one of their scariest experience, one of the hardest experiences you had as you're coming up through the ranks? And also tell us a couple of your big successes. I've I've I think have more setbacks and you know, I guess failures than I've had successes. If I was to truly look back um, at my professional career, I was very fortunate and lucky uh, to get the opportunities that I got both in Unilever and, and in Yum. And now, of course, um, this amazing opportunity in Amway. 
I still remember this, uh, this time when uh, I was a cocky young man um, and I got my first role as a marketing director in Unilever India for our ice creams category. Oh, wow. uh, we had, you know, Walls um, brand, um, um, largely for impulse buying and, you know, Feast and, and Cornetto and a couple of others. Was Magnum uh, part of that? So Magnum was not then launched. I mean, Magnum was available as imports, but we hadn't fully okay. uh, launched either Magnum or Ben & Jerry's, which is, which is available in the United States as a part of Unilever. But it's a fascinating category in India, but a hugely challenging one um, and had not been doing well. And I went there as a new marketing director, said, 100 days and I'm going to turn it around. Wow. So I landed up there, uh, I guess, in, in June of the year. This was a long, long time back. And I put my 100-day plan and, you know, with a new piece of advertising, new positioning, a whole set of new innovation uh, for impulse uh, buying, uh, for consumers, you know, supply chain investment, everything. We kind of worked flat out. And by September, late September, we were ready to go to the market and we launched it. There's a little teeny mini problem that we kind of forgot about. Uh, by the time it hits September and October in India, this is end of the monsoon season and start of winter, right. which is not really a time when consumers are... <laughs> ice, not a lot of impulse for ice cream then. Impulse, impulse yeah. buying of ice cream. So uh, the business kind of, you know, the sales ticked up a little bit. But it was, for me then, my first spectacular public <laughs> failure. And I think I, I behaved like an a-hole. I think Unilever should have fired me at that time. And uh, when I when I read Carol Dweck's book, how, how how so? Like, what did you? What were so some this, of the things you did? So this yeah. is when I when I go when I when I look back at it and look back at Carol Dweck's book, book on growth mindset. I was at that time into a fixed mindset. What does right. fixed mindset? Yeah, mean? yeah. Tell us about this. So so this is a great book, a, by it's the it's way. A great, growth mindset. Growth Everyone mindset. should read this book. It's I I. I'm, I'm a big evangelist of growth mindset. And it is not about business growth, it's about personal growth. Right. It's got nothing to do with top line and bottom line. It's got to do with personal growth and our, our journey. So I was, I was then in a classic fixed mindset, which is... Perfection. I would, I, I, no, I would blame others for the setback. I would not listen to feedback or learn from it. Right. I would not ask for help. Sure. Um, and I would, I would just be in the status quo what had happened. Right. That as compared to a growth mindset, right. uh, which is being uncomfortable about the status quo, being, being open, being on a lifelong journey of learning, failing fast to succeed, right. sparking the best in yourself and others around you, exploring all possibilities. Uh, for me, the greatest joys I've had is when I have learned things. Right. And uh, as I said, I've had more setbacks or failures uh, than probably successes. Uh, and at a number of those times, I didn't know it then, but I got into a fixed mindset. And then either because of my wife Amrita kind of shaking me up or someone at work who helped me move from a fixed to a growth mindset, that I've been able to be on that journey. Now, I read the book only five years back. I wish I had read the book much earlier. Well, and, and maybe the timing was better five years ago because you'd grown enough to accept what's in the book, right? I mean, let me ask you this question. If, in order to accept a growth mindset, people have to have some personal development, right? That is, that is very true. And, and I, for me, that learning in my leadership journey was uh, when I was the managing director of 
of Yum Thailand, my first MD role. Um, we have a great, we had a great business then in, uh, in, 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 in Yam and Thailand. The Thais are wonderful people, Beautiful great people. culture, yeah. great society. Um, and that's when I realized, to your question, David, the value of leading not from the mind, leading not from the smart, which I think is the easier way to lead, mm. but to lead from the heart. Oh, wow. And to lead from the heart, one needs to be able to manage my pride yes. and fear, right. which I and I think most people, you have to be superhuman not to have pride or fear. And instead of, instead of leading with pride or fear, lead with love and humility. Wow. And, and to be able to do that is, in some sense, goes along with being on a growth mindset. Right. Because to be able to leave it in love and humility, one, one has to accept uh, you know, vulnerabilities, accept that one doesn't know everything, truly believe in helping others succeed, right. um, and be open to change. I, I think love and humility is something that leads to courage. Um, and it's, it needs a deeper self-reflection uh, to do that, which is the journey I started off when I was in Thailand, because of the mistakes I made in Thailand. Actually, the Thais taught me, and I thank the Thai culture and my team in Thailand to, to lead from the heart, or to be on the journey to lead from the heart. Do you feel like this is a lot of this is tied to the ego? That if we, I mean, fear and pride tend to be directly attributed to how, how much we're white-knuckling our ego. It is very much in, in the Indian culture, it's called aham, or, you know, your pride or your ego. Yeah. And, you know, Gotta we're human. Be, I'm human. So. We all have it. We all <laughs> have it. Aware, Recognizing it's, it's the first step. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's to be it's so right. It's to be aware of it. And then, you know, to work with it and, right. and channelize it more on love and humility and kind of... Uh, no, I've, I've struggled with exactly the same things. I mean, I think we, hopefully we all recognize it in ourselves, but in, you know, in order to be a successful entrepreneur, you do need a, a healthy sense of ego and, and, and pride. And you also, you know, hopefully I've learned some of this and, and getting better at it over time, but it's, you know, you also have to learn that as you scale something, you can't do it all yourself or you'll kill yourself. You need to be able to bring people with you um, and support them and, and leave your ego behind. Those are great life lessons. Did... Um, when you were going through this failure and and learning about your ego and your pride and your and, and starting to embrace humility, what was the what was it that kind of forced you to make that shift and to realize that you know your smarts and your pride and your fears weren't going to get you where you needed to go? I think I I, I realized it by making that damn, damn mistake. Yeah. So it was that. <laughs> and seeing, and seeing it yeah. not work. It was like rock bottom. And it was yeah, essentially with back back to the wall and saying, I I the change has to start with myself. Right. Um, the, yeah, I, mean, I, I think that's right. You you can't if the problem is the rest of the world, then maybe the rest of the world isn't the problem, right? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> maybe it's it's, that's it's all true. at home. What, um, so after, so you were, uh, how long did you, did you come from Young Brands? Were you in, with Young Brands in Dallas? Yes. Okay. I was with Young Brands for, for 10 years uh, across different countries and different roles. And we were in Dallas for, for a couple of years. And, and now we've just moved to Grand Rapids. Rather, 4th of July was the first night. 
Wow. We all spent in our new home wow. in Grand Rapids. So that was great. We're still unpacking the boxes and figuring out where the light switches are, but we are home. Celebrating uh, American freedom in Grand exactly. Rapids, Michigan. Exactly. With, with, uh, with, you know, it's so... I mean, summer in Grand Rapids, Michigan is, is just awesome. And the fireworks were great. Uh, and we were all together, uh, our two boys, uh, Amrita and our, our diva dog, Tyra. So you're, you're, you've been married to Amrita for how long? For 22 years. Well, congratulations. Thank you. It's thanks to her. She's your first wife? Yes. <laughs> I think I know the answer to that already, but uh, <laughs> entering d- dangerous waters there. Yeah. It, my, <laughs> my business, Scott Kuhn, who was the co-founder of Excess, um, used to introduce his first wife as his first wife, which she never found very amusing, but, uh, but I always thought was funny. And then, um, so you're married to Amrita for 22 years, and, and you've got two sons. What, your older son, is uh, he's in college? He's in college. He's, he'll, he'll be, you know, he's entering his senior year. Oh, congratulations. Uh, so where is he? So he's at SMU in Dallas. Oh, that's great. Uh, he spent the last semester in, in Shanghai. Wow. Uh, because, you know, as a family and, you know, Number of us have become China fans. Yes, Shanghaiese. Yeah, Shanghaiese. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And your younger son, what is, how old is he and what's he doing? So he just completed his freshman in high school and he moves with us to, to Grand Rapids. So. so will he be going to high school in Grand Rapids? That he will be going to, going to high school and in Grand which Rapids. Which high school will he be attending in Grand Rapids? East Grand Rapids uh, High School. The Eagles. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If, if anyone's watched American Pie, you'll know that the Eagles are the, that's where it all kind of takes place. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the school. Um, well, that's fantastic. East Grand Rapids is a great school. I think you'll make some great friends there. Um, and you do know that winter's coming, correct? Well, David, um, when we were, we, were, we were speaking to Amway, we got invited in to Grand Rapids uh, uh, and Ada uh, between June and August, which is a beautiful part. Now, the coldest place we've ever lived in is Dallas. Well, <laughs> <laughs> got some bad news for you. <laughs> so this is going to be another family adventure. Have you bought a dog sled yet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so you've come to Amway, you're living there, and, you've, and, and I'd like to get back to the growth mindset a little bit because I think this is a really important book and we've touched on a little bit, but it's changing our mentality inside yeah. that allows us to make changes around us. Correct. Is that right? What are the big takeaways that you want people to realize? I mean, I hope everyone who reads this picks up a copy of The Growth Mindset by Carol Dwork. Carol Dweck. Carol Dweck, Or or one of the TED Talks or... Yeah. yeah. So she has a lot of TED Talks as well, correct? Um, What's the the core of The Growth Mindset and how do people get to it? I think it starts with being uncomfortable with the status quo. Okay. So whatever's going on around you, you you have to be open to change. Yeah. You've got to be, you've got to be yourself, be restless for change restless for change I, that's how I, like, I define it I love that I love that's, that that's how yeah. I, I think and, and and I think I think none of us especially not me it's not that we are in a perpetual growth mindset there are times when one is in a fixed mindset mm. and that's okay we are all humans but it's a journey see none of us is a destination right it's all a journey and one's got to enjoy the journey be in a place where you know get support from the others on the journey. So one of the things that, you know, I always promise to, to people I work with is I got your back. Oh, wow. Uh, IGYB is, is, is one of the things. Because when, when any individual, uh, you know, especially in a large organization, uh, starts on a growth mindset journey, right. there are genuine fears. 
because this is uncharted waters personally and they would take risk and right. they would fail fast uh, or fail you know hopefully fail fast to succeed but you know they will be <laughs> don't linger in the failure but don't, but linger in the don't failure. be afraid of it either but yeah. that's where the support system is required and and you know everyone in Amway should know that I got your back as long as we're doing the right thing to help ABS succeed and you know build a customer base and and push the envelope we, we, we just did a Facebook Live conversation and we talked about your vision, now that we're on to that. Um, so part of it is changing our own mentalities yes. and being open to being restless for change. Yes. Um, being committed to lifelong learning. Uh, being open, I think, to others and, and other opinions and, and, and hearing them. What, um, as, as people are moving forward with change, what are the changes you'd like to see externally? Like what kind of things do you want to see the business change into? Obviously, you're working hard on, on new product development. What are some of the other things that you're trying to accomplish? You know, we have a very, David, uh, you know, you've lived it. You're passionate about this. Uh, we've got a very special purpose in Amway, mm. just helping people live better lives. I mean, this is what Rich and Jay believed in. Uh, they had a huge heart. They were pioneers. But when they built this business, it was built with this idea of helping people live better lives. This is as true today as it was 60 years back and will be true 60 years from now. Can I, can I interrupt you real quick? I love that idea, and I, know, I, I think I know the answer to this because I've heard you say it before. You know, the challenge with the phrase like live better lives is doesn't everybody want to help every, you know, don't all businesses want to help people live better lives. How is that different at Amway? It's different in Amway because the whole business of Amway yeah is about people. Yes. It's about entrepreneurs, young people who have the freedom and the flexibility and who want to get a reward. That's what Amway does. I mean, if other companies, be it in e-commerce space, Amazon, they're great. They have all the capital, but they don't have what we have. Right. They don't have ABOs. Right. They and have I've, yeah. people. No, I, th I think you're right. I mean, I think it's it's how we execute those ideas that make us different. Exactly. Right? So, so then we've got to help the new person. I met this lady, Ruru in Taipei. Oh yeah, Lulu in Taipei. And yeah. she she is she is he's in her early twenties, UX UI designer. Wasn't sure if she wanted to join Amber because she thought she might lose a couple of friends in that process. Right. But here she is, you know, a year later, nine months, a year later. She wants to be a passionista, learning beauty trips, living a more active lifestyle, has much larger group of friends, is now on social media trying to build a community. It is people like her. That's helping people live a better life. This doesn't need to be... We can do it in small ways. Right. It doesn't we have do to be about making lots of money. It can be about making a little more but having a much richer life because exactly. you're part of our community. Is that right? Exactly what it is. And, and we can do it with millions of people across the world uh, who are looking for, for flexibility and a sense of community. So is that the promise that Amway offers, that if you come join us, we're going to help you live a better life as you choose to define better? And the word better would change, would depend on the person's passion. Right. Uh, in the case of excess... Uh, and I guess for you, a lot of your passion is about adventure. It, it is, yeah. Right? I love getting outdoors and doing things. And you can see that, and, and you do it naturally. That's, that's who you are. There are others who love 
cooking and, right. and sharing that with and some who, others who love beauty sure and then there would be another group of people who, who love fitness sure uh, and so on and so forth so it's you know we ambush for everyone whatever is your passion come you know prosper sure build a circle of friends make a little bit extra money and become a fulfilled a fulfilled a piece of your life. And it's okay to have more than one passion, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think I liked everything you talked about. Um, but, you know, but we try and focus in one area and then ex- expand from there. Um, so you, you've, you've, you're, you're, at, you're in Ada, you're at Amway now, you've been there since January, your family's moved there. Um, what, are some of the, what, are, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing right now? I think our, our, our biggest opportunity for Amway, which is which is in its core a social idea, mm. uh, we were we were the original gig economy player before the word gig economy was coined. What does that mean? Well, it means that you know today an Uber or a Lyft or or Grubhub, you know, are playing in this space, offering flexibility and and easy early earnings. Well. That's what Amway did 60 years back. (laughs) We use the word platform today for for Instagram and Facebook. Well, guess what? Which was the original offline platform? (laughs) Amway. Amway. So we've got these trends. We've got ABO leaders across the world who are entrepreneurs, who are very passionate. We want to help them succeed seamlessly in the offline and the online world. We want to help them build their brands online, uh, around their passion, You know, make a seamless shopping for their customers, sure. offer them products that are high quality, but also Instagenic, Instagram worthy, photogenic. Yeah. We want to do all that and to do it at scale with a million entrepreneurs across the world is a challenge. That is a challenge. I mean, it's, and you know, the great thing about our business is it's built on leadership. Our, our, our Amway business owners, our independent business owners around the world, um, and the and the communities and groups of people that they've helped develop and supported over the years. Um, what are ways that uh, that Amway is going to support these business leaders, our business owners, you know, the partners that we work so closely with? Um, how are we going to support them to make these shifts and changes and see that you know? Obviously, we're not trying to work around them. We're trying to support them in hitting these goals. We've got to, I mean, we have to design this together. These are early thoughts. Um, yeah. We've got to design this together. The, and when you say why, together, with them? Sorry? You mean design this with the business with owners? The, where the inspiration that I've had uh, on our journey on the future is from the young at heart ABO leaders. I mean, we've talked about Makiko-san. Yeah. When I met Makiko-san in, in Tokyo as a part of my listen and learn, sort of say, global tour, yeah. Makiko-san is building the future of Amway today. Right. Makiko Masuda is, uh, she's, um, she's a uh, wife of Crown Ambassador um, uh, Yasuhisa Masuda-san, and uh, they have a Crown Ambassador business together. They have the excess bungalow, the excess Center for Optimal Fun in, in Kyoto or outside Kyoto. And she's been doing some really remarkable things, uh, tying, supporting her team on social media, right? She is basically, like you said, um, a couple of months back, I think six or nine months back, she realized that to truly grow her community and help her downline organization, 
she would want to build her own personal brand around her passion. Her passion, she got multiple passions, by the sure, way. Sure, sure. But she decided to start with cooking and got this Japanese easy cooking book called Kantan. <coughs> Bless me. you. Oh, wow, excuse me. Laguna Beach, here yeah. we come. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're out hiking in the dust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, she, she started doing that and um, she's got a way of generating content with her downlines, getting customers and prospects. She's been very progressive and sophisticated in her thinking. It's inspiration from le- and, th- and there are leaders like her across the world. I've met leaders like her in Korea, in China, in Thailand. I met some of them from Spain and Italy and Austria, sure. in Brazil, in Colombia, and Mexico, and United States. There are. They're everywhere. There are. This is the beauty of our business. Yeah. It's led by entrepreneurs. Sure. They, with their passion and pushing the envelope and having a growth mindset, are actually building the future Amway today. It's just that the future is unevenly distributed. Right. And we need to help every person to flourish. So with Makiko-san, she sort of found, she said, okay, what are my passions? And then where do my passions intersect with my group's passions? Right, so that's kind of two circles of the Venn diagram, and then the third circle would be how does that, how do those two circles connect with the Amway business, with our shared business together? And she chose cooking because that was the obvious one that connected all three of those circles. Is that is that right? Is that fair? Uh, that is a very well way of of describing it. And she started with cooking, and then she's gone on to beauty. Wow. Uh, and she also as an as an entrepreneur, as a businesswoman, so she's got so many nuances to her authentic personality. Right. Um, and she integrates all of all of that with her downline organization, her customers, uh, and and Amway, Amway business. So she created an, an, like a, an Instagram page dedicated to this idea, focused on this idea, correct? Uh, she's got, she's now got 20,000 uh, fans, f- and, followers, fans yeah. and followers and growing, and that's very impressive. And so she and her team basically create recipes, have a cookbook that they have developed and probably develop more, and they show how you make these recipes and these things, which make it easier for people to cook delicious food for their families exactly. using our cookware, correct? Exactly. And, and just, just look at, I mean, of course, you know, Makiko-san is a pioneer and a, and a, and a, and a great young and hard leader of, of experience and stature. We've got a million Amway business owners across the world, a lot of them just starting off. If you could help all of them to build a community of, of their, just a thousand people, right. not even a 20,000. Micro-influencer. Just a micro-influencer. Sure. We would be able to help them reach a billion customers. That'd be amazing. And so, do you think, is part of, part? you know, you know that's our, our, our ABO and IBO leaders, our Amway business owner and independent business owner leaders do that work. Um, do you think that a lot of them need help and support to get to a place where they can deliver that at the same level as somebody like a Makiko-san? I think that's our responsibility. Yeah. We, we've got to do, we've got to help. Provide resources. We've to got to help that. provide resources. We've got to help provide the platform, the backend technology, an easy experience, the tools, curate the content. A lot of time gets spent in content generation. Sure. Uh, not everyone has the resources or the time to, to be able to generate um, content, to be able to provide the data and the analytics 
on on which customers have the chances to be a prospect for, uh, for the business opportunity sure. who would prefer being a like all that stuff we need to do it in the back end right it is the abo's business sure it's their brand right all the stuff in the back end we should make it easy as amway for them so that they can focus on building their building brand. the community and so, their brand so they're building their own personal brands yes they're not they're not uh, necessarily saying, hey, I'm part of this other... I mean, it's saying, hey, this is my authentic it's community. It's Kiko-san's this brand. This is my life. It's yeah. David's brand. Yeah, exactly. And it's people like you and Makiko-san across the world. And uh, and if they do that authentically, they're going to... We talked about this earlier in another uh, live broadcast, but you know, the one of the questions, whenever you're selling a story whether you're selling it to an editor at a paper or a magazine or whether you're selling a script to a, a you know a, a, a producer the question that you have to answer is why do i care and why do i care is from the point of view of the audience the, you know you have to answer the question why does the audience care about the story that you're selling and i think when we're doing social media content it's exactly the same it's not i'm posting a meal because i like it or i'm posting my favorite can of drink because i like it or i'm posting a picture of my, myself doing something because i like it you're posting it because Hopefully, it's reaching some people who are going to be looking at that. And when you're writing the caption, you're writing a caption that tells them something that they can't see in the picture, right? That adds value. So you're constantly adding value, adding value, adding value. Um, do you think as people are, as, as our partners, our, our business owner partners are learning to do this, um, there's content that we should be providing as Amway brands as well as helping them learn how to pr produce some of their own content? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's part on and... I think people are, um, this, is, this is my view that corporate brands, yeah. uh, if I was just take your question on uh, corporate brands, big corporate brands, um, which is the way businesses were built uh, for the last couple of decades through broadcast advertising and, you know. Right. Uh, traditional say, consumer package consumer goods package, companies. Package yeah. goods, good companies. I think the 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 millennials uh, are pretty smart, yeah. And they can because they have also access to so much information, right? And and they're fairly clear about what they want. They want more authentic uh, brands to speak to them, and they're looking for. They don't want an advertisement. They don't want an advertisement. Or a traditional advertisement, right. yeah. What is more authentic than people? People who actually use it and, right? That's why YouTubers right. are so popular right now because it's authentic people just showing how they use something. You know, Dr. Sam always said, you've got to be product of the product. Yes. So if one is product of the product, believes in it, enjoys it, is authentic on it, and has a community that's trusted, Right. They would be happy to, it, it's not even like buying as a commercial transaction, of course there is a way to monetize it, right. but they're happy being that for the community. And, and some of the things with issues that people are looking for, wanting to live a fitness in a lifestyle, being an adventure, it can't be done alone. Right. You have to it, do it with a group. Correct. Right. This isn't an individ individual sport. Individual yeah. sport. And uh, if there is something which is purely individual and probably Amway and, and, and that's not the right place for that right. uh, passion. I mean, there are so many passions you can, one can go for. But this requires a community. 
And uh, that's what the ABOs do, and that's what's in it for their community. But in terms of content, you're so right that content's got to be generated and help generated by by Amway, but also to be able to curate right. content that's generated brilliantly by ABOs across the world, and that being available for an easy download and sharing. And it doesn't have to be complicated. Nope. I mean, we're we're actually doing a podcast with two Yeti mics and my laptop on GarageBand, that is what which is about as low tech as you can get, and uh, and it's and it works. This has a, become a popular podcast, and um, not just with people in our business, but people who are interested in entrepreneurship. Um, do you think it's okay for our our business partners, the business owners, uh, you know, independent business owners and Amway business owners, to do their own podcast, to do their own YouTube channels, to have their own you know, broad-based social media following? I think as we as we go for helping them build a personal brand, all that would be required to be supported. Right. Uh, if you're talking about a million uh, entrepreneurs having been micro-social influence, some of them, of course, will have much larger communities. Sure, like it'll, it'll vary. Of the world, it'll right? vary, yeah. But even if you, have, if, you, if you have a community of a thousand people, we would want to help them and liberate them and support them right. uh, to be able to build original content uh, for themselves, which is lined with their personality and right. their passion. Well, I think, you know, if you look at Mikiko-san as an example, she has a whole team of people she works with in her community that support this page, and they do it together as a group. They, they have a, you know, like you were sharing, David, they have a, a separate Line account yes. where... Line is a is a popular social media platform in Japan. In Japan, yeah, and, yeah. and and that's how they kind of sh- you know create and share content, which then gets posted on reposted on, on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Right, oh, that's amazing. I mean, she's done. She's such a great model for how this is possible. Um, without getting too far into the weeds here, do you think uh, how much control do you think is possible on social media? I think that's one of the risks. Uh, and we'll have to learn our way through on this. Yeah. Um, because with this, there is a sense of responsibility. But hey, there is a million entrepreneurs. We won't be able to control all right? of them. I mean, yeah. we, we, have to, we have to evolve a mechanism where if there is behavior that hurts, right. it doesn't end up hurting other entrepreneurs right. in that process. Right. Uh, so the, but you've got to do it in a way in which it doesn't limit those who want to build large communities. I think that balance is a nuanced balance and we, we've got to figure out, and, and I know, leaders like Makiko-san across the world will help us sure. get that balance. Well, and I, I found too, I think you know most of our, our partners, you know, our business owner partners, they're not... They're not actively trying to do the wrong thing. The intent's usually not bad. I think they're looking for ways to do things. And if we don't provide the tools and the training and support that really works for them, then they may go in directions we don't always like. And I think it's up to us. If we can show them and give them the tools to do it right, um, very rarely do they, do they go the, the directions we don't like. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, the infectious passion and love our entrepreneurs, ABOs and IBOs have for Amway that's just awesome. Yeah, and that's one of the, the, great, uh, the great assets we have together that we share. Um, so, so we've talked a lot about social media. I think one of the concerns that I've heard from our, you know, our business is very special because we only offer 
our brands and, and products through our business owner partners. That's correct. One of the concerns is that if we you know, start offering things like this on social media or even through channels where people can buy other brands and products that you know, there's concerns that Amway might go around these, these ABOs and IBOs. Um, as an example, in China, Amway China sells via WeChat. So you can go on WeChat and purchase. From an ABO. Or, or they refer, basically what they do is they refer people to purchase on WeChat because right. that's where everybody buys stuff in right. China now. Um, and, and how does that work? How, does, how do we protect the ABOs in that it's, example? It's, we, the beauty of our business and the strength of our business yeah. is our ABOs. Right. Uh, as I said, you know, e-commerce companies or direct-to-consumer companies have a lot of strengths. Yeah. Jeff Bezos has everything <laughs> in life except uh, they don't have ABOs. Our point of difference comes in through people-to-people relationship and interaction. Technology aids and enables it. So in case of China, yes. if I'm an ABO and I've got, I've got a whole community, right. I just make it easy for them by sending them a link uh, on WeChat which because is equivalent of WhatsApp or Uber or, I mean, or, so, so, or something. And then yeah. someone, my, my, my customers can buy from it or send it to someone else. It always the comes back to my community. Back to come back, the volume come back to me. This is part of my community. I can build them. I can, I can take care of them. Support them. Support yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, they could start with one or two products and then go on to have a lifetime value. Hopefully expand and subscribe. Do... Um, well, that's, that's great. I think that's, you know, it's part of what um, we're getting better at is, is making the purchasing experience more elegant so that when somebody says, hey, I like this, where do I get it? We don't have to pull out a paper and pencil. We can refer them to a place where they're very comfortable buying in a way that's easy to, to do it. We've got a long way to go in that. Yes. Um, and, and there is a lot of work that needs to be done to build our capabilities. Right. Um, and, you know, we put resources behind it. There are talented people uh, working at it, but we've got a long way to go. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's absolutely right. You know, we were talking about Amazon earlier, and I think I was talking to a friend of mine at Microsoft who, uh, who leads a lot of their strategic partnerships. And, um, you know, so he works with Google and Apple and Amazon and a number of these, these people. They all partner very closely, except on their core competencies where they want to be exclusive. And he was saying, you know, um, for example, with toothpaste, if you're buying your toothpaste online, let's say with Amazon, he said, you know, we know when you need more toothpaste before you do most of the time. He said, the problem we have is we don't know how to communicate that to you without freaking you out. And I was just reading in the Harvard Business Review this Connected Economy article where they talked about, you know, Amazon might know when when you buy toothpaste and when you need it. But what they can't do is connect that to a bigger goal, like I'm buying this toothpaste because I want whiter teeth. You know, maybe I'm a 16-year-old girl and I want to meet this boy. And so if I have whiter teeth, maybe I have a better chance or fresher breath. They can't connect the bigger, deeper goals to why you're buying these products. I think one of the things we have with Amway is, you know, we help people create and then check the boxes on their bucket list. We help them make their dreams real. how do you think we have a unique opportunity in this new connected economy to connect people's bigger dreams and goals, their lifelong dreams and goals, to a portfolio of products and brands and, and ways of making money? Do you think that will make a... Will, will we be building systems to support that? I think we've got to have the faith that the humanity and the social relationships and trust of our ABOs 
uh, will win over algorithms. Yes. I, I <laughs> or, or maybe if that not, algorithms can support those, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the algorithms support the humanity and the relationships and the social connections uh, that our AVOs have built over months, you know, years in some cases. Can you explain the it, algorithms real quick? That might be a bigger term than some of our listeners are aware, well, familiar with. Well, it's in simplest one is a set of rules uh, that can automate and make it easy in the back end. Um, so we, so you see some, you observe somebody buying something and then doing this, and you can essentially start creating a set of rules to say, hey, when they do this, they tend to do that. Therefore, when they do this, offer them that because it'll probably. That's through, one. Right? That's a, that's a classic example it's an of an algorithm. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a classic example, and we want to take, in some sense, the back end. I would almost say drudgery out and, and put it in the tools and the algorithms of the platforms so that our ABOs can be customer facing and build communities and of course, you know, as relevant, you know, get prospects into the business. Uh, so it's making it easier for them to understand what, like to basically be more predictive to help them so they don't have to do that heavy lifting themselves. No, I think, I think we should be able to help them do that and that, that helps, us, helps us compete very effectively with all the changes that are happening around us. Wow. Um, look at look at Neutralite. It's such a we were so ahead of our time. Eighty five years back, <laughs> uh, plant based diets that wasn't mainstream. Today it's no mainstream. one was no, no that was like poor, only poor people had <laughs> plant based diets, right? Diet, right. Yeah. Uh, Everybody so, else was eating as much meat and cheese as they could, right? There yeah. we go. So we're talking about plant-based diets, we're talking about organic farming and taking care of the soil, talking about optimal health, which is a combination of, of having you know, good quality air, plenty of sunshine, eating fruits and vegetables, doing more, you know, exercise or some modest right. physical activity. That philosophy is there to help people live a better life. Right. And, and our ABOs, who build these communities and weave it into the products we have help a broader population sure. get access. It's very difficult to get access and understand this in, its, in just one component of a, of a product or XYZ. It's got to come together holistically. Right. And it requires social relationships and trust and understanding the person, person to person, to be able to get that holistic uh, solution, sure, uh, and that's where that's where Amway comes in uniquely compared to to any other any other business model. We can tell a bigger story, right? We can tell the bigger story. In Neutralite, it's a story about seed to tablet, about how you can take a seed, grow a plant organically, and then compress that whole plant compound into a tablet, so you can get the benefit of all that without necessarily having to try and eat a thousand fruits and vegetables every day. I'm, over, I'm I mean, overstating I, it. But. I must admit, David, I was, I'm embarrassed, but a year back I had no idea uh, before I joined Amway that, that we have some of the world's best and largest organic farms. Yeah. Last week I was in Trout Lake East and West Farms. Up thousand, near Portland, thousand right? Up near yeah. Portland and then across the Cascade Mountains on the eastern side too. Yeah, the high desert there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, correct. And uh, it was fascinating, like you said, to watch the high standards that are there from seed 
to supplement and the level of technology, agriculture technology that is being applied. You said you're in a, a, a farm machine. I hesitate to use the word tractor. Yeah. That they told you not to touch the wheel. I mean, we drove it for, I don't know, almost half a mile or a mile. And I was warned, as you said, not to touch the, touch the steering wheel. The level of technology, it was an autonomous, self-driven vehicle. GPS tracking, sensors, it would deviate to an inch. Wow. Uh, it's very sophisticated. Then I asked the, the operator, I said, so, like, what do you actually do Yeah, sitting? what are you sitting here doing? So yeah. he said, I listen to music. So we put on some nice Latino music and enjoyed it <laughs> while this thing was driving on its own. That's fantastic. And, and that's because if you're going to maintain a high quality, you need high standards. And keeping things within an inch of devi standard deviation gives you the, one of the highest standards it you can have. Exactly. It's part of the process. Very high standards. And, and, and all that is done because to, to be able to get you know, efficacy and the right herbs and the right plants which go into our, our Neutralite products uh, and to offer it to our ABOs across the world need us to be vertically integrated. We're probably the only company in the world that's vertically integrated from seed to supplement, as you said. So we own it from the farm all the way to the tablet ma manufacturing. Everything, manufacturing, and the seeds. So and we, the seeds we, themselves, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we were talking last night, so the reason that, that whole plants and phytonutrients matters is because it, your body absorbs these ingredients better yeah. that way. Is that right? That's right. And we're also learning a lot about absorption through the gut. And do you think gut health is going to be a strategic part of our future? I think... Um, and I, as I learn more and I look at the science that's available, this is going to be a big part of, of what we could do to help people's you know, nutrition needs and beyond. Uh, gut health is one of the most exciting areas where the teams are working on, and they're working in partnership with a number of research institutes. Right. Uh, so, yes. Because even if we have the best supplements in the world, if your body is having problems with absorption in general, then it still is, we're still missing a couple steps. And, you know, we are learning it through science coming in on microbiomes and yeah. and, and the whole area. Testing, it's still, yeah, it's all that still, stuff. Yeah. It's still developing, but an area of huge potential. So as we look to the future, and you've, you've got this amazing vision for, you know, really driving innovation through the business, transforming the culture, helping people get this growth mindset. So we transform ourselves, and then hopefully we make a better community around us. Um, what are the what are the takeaways? What do what do we what do what, what are the calls to action, both for staff at Amway, for our business owners who are our partners in the core of our business, and for customers? What are the things that that you would hope that people would be would be doing? Like, what are the top three, top five things? I I just I think as a you know, said earlier, we are guided by a very special purpose, mm. helping people live better lives. Yeah. And that purpose comes to life in so many ways. It comes to life in the form of a helping the new new entrepreneur, new ABO succeed. Someone who comes with maybe twinkle in her eyes, is a young person, has a passion, comes into Amway. We promised, you know, the, the, along with the leaders, we promised them that we'll help them succeed and grow and have a bigger community and make money. Uh, we got to we got to make that happen. There's so much work that needs to be done yeah. to be able to do that. For that, for making her succeed, we need to do all the other components that David we talked about. Have great products, 
have have a platform, have the digital tools and analytics, have easy frictionless experience. Yeah. And and for organizationally within Amway, before we 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 ask our ask anything of our ABO leaders within Amway, we've got to start with a personal journey right. of growth mindset. Uh, so that we as individuals and and managers and executives cross-functionally across the world, we start off on our own journey. We are restless about the status quo. We do lifelong learning. We don't mind failing fast to succeed. We do that together and partnership with our ABO leaders, help our new ABOs to succeed. This is a powerful idea and is relevant across the world. It's as relevant today, if not more, as it was 60 years back. Do you have goals for... Uh, for growth, or are those more outcomes that that stem from getting the first part right? Numbers like revenue and growth and profits, David, you and I know are just outcomes. Right. We don't we don't chase those numbers. We want to make sure we help the new person succeed, help her build a community of of customers. You know, partner with our ABO leaders, you know, like Makiko-san, right. in order to, to bring this to fruition across the world. That's what we do. If we do all that right yeah. uh, and, do, and execute well, right. uh, the rest will happen. The, the revenue will follow, as they say, <laughs> right? This has been an amazing conversation, Mel, and I hope we can continue to do this over, over, uh, over your journey and, and our journey together. Um, David, it, it's a privilege uh, thank you for inviting me to, to, to the soul of <laughs> excess in this center of optimal fun and Laguna Beach. Loved our hike together this morning. Well, thank you. Um, through, the, through, the, through the trail. Yeah, um, the car wreck trail. The car wreck trail. Um, and, 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 and spending time and, and understanding. And you're a very passionate leader yourself. You've... You've, you founded this brand and, and you know our ABOs and entrepreneurship and creativity. So thank you for this opportunity. No, I'm, I'm uh, you know, personally, it's a passion of mine to help other people succeed in life, financially, spiritually, physically, however, however they define it. Um, I'm not trying to be a guru. I'm just trying to point out other people that have uh, broken through barriers and made a difference and made an impact. And you're certainly one of those. So thank you, Milland. This is the Kick Aspirational Podcast. It is not a spectator sport. We would love to get your feedback, your questions, your challenges, and, uh, and your stories. And uh, just remember, whatever you do this week, please be Kick Aspirational.